Hi there, my name is Darren and welcome to Hugh. We are continuing on from the last podcast, He Must Rule as King. If you have not listened to it, I recommend that you do listen to it before you listen to this one. I will uh, quickly go over what provoked me to start this series, The Last Message to Israel. A few months ago, I was looking through a forum and I came across a question that was addressed to anyone who could answer it. Why did the Jews reject Christ and still reject him today, considering that he was one of their own, a Jew also? The person who answered this question answered it with four points and finished it with a conclusion. Point one, he must rule as king of Israel. Point two, he must usher in an era of peace. Point three, he must rebuild the temple. Point four, and most importantly, he must not die until all this is done. And the conclusion, and since Jesus didn't do those things, he cannot have been the Messiah. So today I'm going to talk about he must rebuild the temple. So let's get into it. Let us have a quick overview of the temple history of Israel. Firstly, there was a tabernacle that Israel took with them on their travels when they first became a nation. The tabernacle design was given to Moses on Mount Sinai and was built according to the plans that God gave to him. After the tabernacle, King Solomon built the first temple in Jerusalem according to the plans his father, King David, gave to him. It was King David who received the temple plans from God, but God strictly instructed King David it was not for him to build, but his son Solomon who was to build it. This temple replaced the tabernacle of Moses. Now after many years, Solomon's temple was destroyed by the Babylonians because of Israel's continual disobedience to God. The Israelites were taken captive and led away to Babylon to live. But when they returned to their homeland, they rebuilt the temple, also known as Zerubbabel's temple. But it was nothing like the original temple King Solomon had built. Then in about 20 BC, I think or so, Herod the Great dismantled Zerubbabel's temple and started building a new temple for Israel that took more than 80 years to build. Then in the year 70 AD, the Romans completely destroyed the temple, so much so there was nothing left to look at. Even the historian Josephus said it was so thoroughly laid, even with the ground, by those that dug it up to the foundation, there was nothing left to make those that came there to believe it had ever been inhabited. So it was really wiped out. Since then, there has not been an Old Testament style temple in Jerusalem, except the Muslim temple Al-Aqsa, with the Dome of the Rock at its center. So let us look at the temple itself. What was the temple actually for? Do you know? It was a place where God and his people met together. It was a place of communion, repentance, and prayer before God. God has always wanted a relationship with people, which started in the Garden of Eden. After Adam and Eve, God was in touch with various other people, but eventually he chose the nation of Israel to be his people to communion with, and he wanted Israel to let other nations know about him as well. Well, we know what the temple was for, but what is the temple? Can you tell me what the temple is? 
it is a copy or a duplicate of God's heavenly plan for those who seek him. That's right, the temple design and its entire layout tells you God's heavenly plan for the believer. Wow, that is a major revelation for me and I hope it is for you as well. It is a shadow of God's plan and therefore, if it is a shadow, what is it a shadow of? Paul says in Hebrews chapter 8 verses 4 to 5, Since there are priests who offer the gifts according to the law, who serve the copy and shadow of the heavenly things, as Moses was divinely instructed when he was about to make the tabernacle. For he said, See that you make all things according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. And Paul goes on in the book of Hebrews and explains the heavenly plan using Old Testament scripture. In a quick summary, the plan of the temple with its ceremonies and rituals, the Ten Commandments and the Ark of the Covenant, reveals how God will bring the believer and himself back together again by removing the barrier of sin through the high priest. At the time of the tabernacle and King Solomon's temple, it was a shadow of God's plan for Israel and the rest of mankind. Therefore, if it is just a shadow, then eventually it will be replaced with something better which gives the shadow. Interesting. Going forward to today, there currently is no physical temple of God built in Israel or anywhere else on earth. But there are some Christians and Jews who desire for a new temple to be built for Israel, where their Messiah will reign and bring peace on this earth. Now, is this part of God's plan and his desire for us? We're just going to have to work that one out. Okay, where do we start? Amos chapter 9. This chapter describes a vision that the prophet Amos saw regarding Israel. In it, he sees God standing by the altar and then God proceeds to declare how he will destroy Israel because of their wickedness, but then declares how he will once again raise up the tabernacle of David and rebuild it like the days of old. It says in verses 11 and 12, On that day I will raise up the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down, and repair its damages. I will raise up its ruins and rebuild it as in the days of old, that they may possess the remnant of Edom and all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord who does this thing. Because of this, people are saying that the temple must be built and will be rebuilt so that sacrifices may resume for Israel once again. Some Jewish people say that their Messiah will rebuild it and this Messiah for the Jews will be human and not God. But some Christians say Israel will rebuild it, but it will not replace the sacrifice of Jesus, but it's there to bring Israel back to God. Now when we hear things like this, it can be quite confusing to those, especially if you're a new Christian. So let us look at what is going on here. When Israel became a wicked nation, God eventually allowed the Babylonians to come down and destroy their nation and completely destroy his temple built by King Solomon. During this time, Ezekiel had a vision that showed God's glory departing from his temple as described in chapter 10 in the book of Ezekiel. Then later on, after the Israelites were taken captive to Babylon, Ezekiel had another vision of a new temple and the glory of God returning in chapters 40 to 48. 
This vision is quite detailed and it reveals how God will reconnect to his people once again. He tells Ezekiel to write down the plan and vision and send the message to the Israelites in Babylon, as it says in Ezekiel 43. Son of man, describe the temple to the people of Israel that they may be ashamed of their sins. Let them consider its perfection. And if they are ashamed of all that they have done, make known to them the design of the temple, its arrangement, its exits and entrances, its whole design and all its regulations and laws. Write these down before them so they may be faithful to its design and follow all its regulations. Now listen to this. This is very important. There is no instruction to build it. The vision was to provoke Israel into shame for their wickedness. And if they showed remorse, then Ezekiel would show and explain the rest of the vision. The plan of Ezekiel's temple was mostly two-dimensional anyway, not three-dimensional. In other words, it looked like a floor plan of a building on a piece of paper with very little information on the height of anything. Sure, it had the height of the walls and a couple of other things, but apart from that, it was a flat design. You cannot build a temple from an incomplete building plan. Unlike the tabernacle of Moses and the temple of King Solomon, which had every detail given by God himself. Please read it for yourself. And I want you to check out what I'm saying. Just don't believe what I say, please. Even when the Israelites returned from captivity from uh, Babylon, they did not try and build Ezekiel's temple. But instead, they tried to build one similar to Solomon's temple. And yet, Ezekiel's temple's, uh, you know, his vision of the temple, is a plan from God himself, but for a future time. There is just so much in all of this that this podcast would take forever to finish. And I mean, there is a lot. Now, there is one more thing we need to look at before we can go on. And that is God's presence and holiness. Regardless of whether it is in the Garden of Eden, the Tabernacle of Moses, or the Temple of Solomon, it was a place of holiness where God's presence was. So if a man or woman wanted to enter or approach these places, they also had to be holy before God. By the time the Tabernacle and the Temple were built, God set up a priesthood to represent you before God, to present the right sacrifice so that you would be forgiven and clean before Him. All this was done so that you could be right before God and the connection between you and God would be open. This also allowed God's blessing on you and your family and to allow your prayers to be heard by God unhindered. As you can see, over time, everything changed slowly from one thing to another. First, there was the Garden of Eden where man went to God, but a flaming sword stopped you from meeting God face to face. So from a distance, man offered a sacrifice to God to keep their relationship open. Then God chose a nation called Israel and replaced the Garden of Eden with a tabernacle. There, man could not enter himself, but a priest represented him before God with the right sacrifices for you. After Israel entered the Promised Land, King Solomon built a temple which replaced the tabernacle. But still, man could not enter the holy temple, so once again, a priest represented you before God with the right sacrifices to keep the relationship open with God. 
Have you noticed over time that God has replaced each place where man and God communed with each other? Have you noticed that from Garden of Eden all the way to King Solomon's temple? So what does that tell us? When the temple was finally destroyed by the Babylonians, they were removed from the land just like Adam and Eve were removed from the Garden of Eden. During this time, Ezekiel received a vision of a new temple, one not built by human hands, but one set up by God himself. One that man cannot build. One that is to replace the temple of stone and wood. One to replace the Ten Commandments made of stone. Okay, a quick look at God's desire for us. In the beginning, God had a one-on-one -on -one relationship with Adam and Eve. But as we know, they both did the wrong thing by God, and now we are all separated from God by that wrongdoing or sin. God's plan and desire is to restore that close relationship, and each step God has taken is leading us to that restored point. Okay, along comes the temple, but still a priest must go in to represent us before God, and we have to go to this temple to do it. We also needed the priests to teach us about God, his commandments and laws, so we may know the difference between good and evil, right and wrong. In the end, the whole system failed due to man's desire and willingness to keep doing the wrong thing all the time. And Israel, they became a very bad example of who God was, and that just hindered God's message of hope to the world, as it says in Ezekiel 36, 20 to 21. And wherever they went among the nations, they profaned my holy name. For it was said of them, These are the Lord's people, and yet they had to leave his land. I had concern for my holy name, which the people of Israel profaned among the nations where they had gone. But God, knowing this, gave Ezekiel a vision of a new temple with a new hope, one that was not made with human hands. Also, Jeremiah and Ezekiel received from God a word regarding God's laws being turned into flesh and written on people's hearts and minds, instead of being taught from tablets of stone that were in the temple. Now, let us go to the days of when Jesus Christ first appeared. When Jesus came into the world, he really turned the world religion upside down. He came declaring that he had good news for everyone who listened. He did not come to condemn the world, but he did come to save it. He was sent by his Father in heaven to do his will, you know, his Father's will. Let us look at this amazing statement by Jesus in John uh, chapter 2, verses 18 to 22. So the Jews said to him, What sign do you show us for doing these things? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Then the Jews said, It has taken 46 years to build this temple, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had spoken this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. Jesus was saying here, If you destroy this temple, I will raise up one in three days, referring to himself. So is Jesus Christ the new temple? Is he the one whose shadow reaches into the Old Testament, the shadow that the tabernacle of Moses and the temple of Solomon comes from? For me, and what I have seen in God's word, it is a yes. This is also confirmed in the book of Revelation, 
that God is the temple. But that's not all. The temple involves people. For God says in Amos 9, On that day I will raise up the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down and repair its damages. I will raise up its ruins and rebuild it as in the days of old. Jesus was not the one damaged and turned into ruins, but it was mankind that was damaged and turned into ruins through sin. So when Jesus was raised from the dead, he was perfected as the high priest on mankind's behalf. So God the Father can restore the ruins of mankind and finally raise up the tabernacle of David. God is building his temple using those who believe in him and the focal point is Jesus Christ, who is the cornerstone, the beginning of the foundation upon which the temple will be built. Also, Jesus is the high priest who offered his blood for us in the Holy of Holies in heaven on our behalf. It will be a temple made up of the saints of God and it will only be completed on the day when Jesus returns and presents us to the Father in heaven. And these saints will be everyone from the beginning of time who were faithful to God. First point of interest here. It is and always has been about a son being involved with building the temple of God. When Abraham went up to Mount Moriah, I think that's how you pronounce it, to sacrifice his son Isaac, it was the place where eventually the temple of Solomon was built. Then it was the nation of Israel who was called God's firstborn son who built the tabernacle of Moses in Exodus 4.21. It was King David who received the plans for the temple, but it was his son Solomon who built it. Therefore, it shouldn't be of no surprise that it is God's son Jesus Christ who is to build the temple of promise for his own father who has the plans. And all these things are done for the son. In Colossians 1 verses 16 and 17, it says this, For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. So all four sons, Isaac, God's firstborn nation Israel, Solomon, Jesus, were obedient to their fathers. Have you noticed in Amos 9 it says, I will raise up the tabernacle of David, not the tabernacle of Solomon. The reason is that it is the father who is the head of all things, and therefore it is his house that will be restored. That's right, it will be the father's house that will be restored, but it will be the son who accomplishes all these things, as it says in John 3.35. The father loves the son and has given all things into his hand. Also, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3.16 and 17. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is holy. And you together are that temple. Okay, the second point of interest. The temple will be assembled and put together in heaven. Not on this earth. Have you noticed that the book of Revelation walks the reader 
through the temple of God from start to finish. At the beginning, Jesus, our high priest, is standing there and speaks to his church, telling them to cleanse and purify themselves. And he's saying this in an encouraging way. He is doing this because all judgment starts at the house of God, not with sinners. If you notice through the Old Testament, God is always dealing with Israel first. In the New Testament, God is always dealing with the church first before he deals with anyone in the world. And from there onwards, God leads us through the temple as his judgments are executed and God purifies his house. God is cleaning his temple in the book of Revelation. God is cleaning his temple, casting Satan and his host down to earth and placing all sinful people and creatures into one location on earth. By the time you get to the end of the book of Revelation, the Holy of Holies comes out of heaven, the perfect cube-shaped building called Jerusalem, which the shadow was in the temple of King Solomon. Because you notice in the temple of King Solomon, the Holies of Holies was a perfect square cube. It is interesting that the cube building is made up of people's names and tribes' names. The temple is completed after everything is fulfilled. Now remember what I said that the temple will be assembled in heaven, not on earth? Have a read about this, of how King Solomon's temple was prepared and built. 1 Kings 6-7 In building the temple, only blocks dressed at the quarry were used, and no hammer, chisel, or any other iron tool was heard at the temple site while it was being built. God revealed this to me a long time ago, and it's something that's always been on all my mind. I've never forgotten it. Jews and Gentiles helped build the temple of Solomon, but the preparation was done away from the temple so that no noise was heard. God just showed me this was an illustration of God working in his people on earth, away from heaven, chiseling away at our sinful habits and shaping us for when Jesus collects us at the end of time to assemble all the saints together for his Father in heaven. Now I find these little revelations from God exciting, always exciting, and there are many more. Uh, look, I'll just do one more for you and then I will stop. I just love all this stuff. God just keeps me so busy with new revelations. I just love it. Okay, uh, let us read 1 Kings 5, uh, 3 to 5. Here, King Solomon sends a letter to King Hiram of Tyre, and this is the letter. You know that because of the wars waged against my father David from all sides, he could not build a temple for the name of the Lord his God until the Lord put his enemies under his feet. But now the Lord my God has given me rest on every side, and there is no adversary or disaster. I intend, therefore, to build a temple for the name of the Lord my God, as the Lord told my father David when he said, Your son whom I will put on the throne in your place will build the temple for my name. What a letter! Here is the prediction of Jesus Christ who puts his father's enemies under his feet. And now Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is now free to build and finish the true temple of God without hindrance from his enemies. And it is Jesus who now sits on the throne of God at the right hand side who will build it in the name of his and our Father God. 
Guess when the foundation of the temple was laid? In the fourth year of King Solomon's reign. When did Jesus come to earth to prepare and start laying the foundation of his temple, the church? In the fourth thousandth year after creation. How long did it take for the temple to be completed? Seven years. Well, 7,000 years after the creation is approaching very quickly. So that means we must be ready and be excited. There is just so much more, but that will have to do. Since Jesus Christ is king, yes, he is building his temple and he is ruling his people, those who are faithful to him. To finish off this podcast, I would like to encourage all believers with this temple quote from Paul's letter to the Hebrews, chapter 10, verses 19 to 25. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us, through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. Yes, God is building his temple. He is the king today, and the temple will be completed while and he is and forever will be the king. God bless you. Have a great day and get excited. Amen.